listen, honey. Listen, honey, listen, honey. Listen, honey, everybody. I'm so, so, so um, excited to connect with everybody. As you guys know, I started this podcast as a way to not only connect with my fans on a deeper level, much more than comments on Instagram and seeing me on a TV screen, but also just to share with you guys the thoughts that go through my mind and the things that I pour into and think about. And one thing that I've been mulling over a lot lately, especially these days, is how special and dynamic those teachers are for us out there, not only during the pandemic and while everybody's having to virtually learn, but also teachers that are being forced to go back to school and teachers that have made an impression on me in such a way that have made me today thankful for them in ways that I, I cannot... I can't put into words. I mean, like, how often is it, you guys, when you think about it, when you have a teacher that's memorable to you, how often can you actually go back and connect with that teacher? How, where, do you even know where to begin when it comes to finding that teacher to let them know, hey, that moment meant a lot to me and thank you. So I was actually having this conversation with my brother, Dennis, and together we shared memories about, very fond memories about our fifth grade teacher, Mr. Hunter. So as I started sharing with Mr. Hunter, and at the time, Jay, my fiance, you guys know Jay, and my dad was there, my dad started quipping in with memories of Mr. Hunter as well. Dennis started sharing his memories because he had Mr. Hunter after me. And my fiance was like, are you serious? This is a fifth grade teacher? Like, he was making you guys march? He had the Olympics at your school? Like, what, what are you talking about? The Cherrywood Olympics? And Dennis said to me, well, you know Mr. Hunter retired. And, you know, we're not the only ones that favor him to the point of making such a huge iconic moment out of him in their lives. And I'm like, well, who else? And he explained to me then that Mr. Hunter actually had a tribute online to him where all of the students wrote in amazing lengthy testimonies about their experience that went on and on, just like Dennis and I. So they, thanks to Dennis, I have to give him props on this episode. Dennis is actually able to reach out to my fifth grade teacher from Cherrywood, Mr. Hunter. And Mr. Hunter is here with me today to join me on Listen, Honey. And I am so honored to have you here, Mr. Hunter. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, I see my students all the time, but this is the first time I've ever been on a podcast with an ex Is it really? Yeah, no you podcast. Are so you're so well-spoken. I would have thought that many people would have you on interviews or something by now. No, not now. I just live a, just a humble little life here, a retired school teacher living here in Las Gatas, just, you know, collecting my modest little pension. <laughs> well, let me make sure that my fam out there knows that in his humble little life, he's resting now because he served a dedicated 36 years at Cherrywood Elementary. And even though this is the first time on my podcast, he has also been featured many, many times in the San Jose Mercury, the San Francisco Chronicle. He's been in many local papers for all of his achievements. And that's actually what I want to talk to you about now, Mr. Hunter, because I know you're hearing it from one person here, but you have a whole website online and stories to fill up a book, which you do have written, which we'll talk about a bit, to talk about your legacy. It, it, what does that feel like to you? Do you recognize yourself that you're a legacy too? Or are you like, no, they're just, making this a big deal like what is it like to you well you know to be honest with you I, I feel good about my career you know I taught like you said I taught 36 years in the same school I had uh, 20 kids that their parents were in my class there were five teachers in the Berryessa district that were in my class and so kind of I was you know maybe somebody would say I was a legend in my own mind but I had been there so long and you know you just invest a real uh, have an investment in the community of the students there and, you know, you run into them in different, later on, I, I'm in contact with a lot of my ex-students, you know, run into them different places and stuff. But before I say anything more about myself, I just want to real quickly, you know, accept your, your, your nice comments and, and just give my, give my kudos to all the teachers at Cherrywood, because there's a lot of great teachers at Cherrywood that have put a lot of effort in. And I tend to be more of an extrovert. And I tend to be, I'm, I'm, I'm outgoing and I did things that were spectacular. So, but there were a lot of more dedicated teachers than me that maybe you've forgotten because I was just your second or third grade teacher or whatever. But uh, it, it took a community to, to bring that whole uh, community of teachers and people to bring that whole group of us up. Yeah. No, I agree with you, Mr. Hunter. When I was at Cherrywood Elementary in San Jose, I absolutely remember marching in the band with Miss Perry and being in a combo class of third and fourth graders with Miss Austin with her big wavy gray hair. 
Um, she, I remember to this day, I never say, oh, when I say the number zero in numbers, because she taught me that it's four zero eight, not four oh eight, because you're being oh, lazy if you say, oh, right. um, and my favorite, um, um, female teacher at Miss at Cherrywood elementary was Mrs. Clark, Mrs. Awesome. Clark, because I actually, from a teacher's aid had somebody tape my mouth shut because I talked too much and I freaked out and I said, that I had a freedom of, freedom of speech and that I was allowed to speak. And the teacher said, well, let me show you what the freedom of speech means in this classroom. And she taped my mouth shut. And I watched Mrs. Clark stand up for me, by the way, in the most like postured way to tell this teacher, that's not how we handle our students. You do have the freedom of speech, Jeannie, but we take our turn here. And therefore, what she didn't know that she was taping the mouth shut of a budding talk show host, but an Emmy award-winning one. But anyway, no, I'm just kidding. You're my right. point is that, Every teacher had their method, and I, I love that you, you, you acknowledge all the other ones. But you, Mr. Hunter, you are different because I do have to explain to my fam why I, I had to circle back and talk to you because you made a huge impression on me. Let me tell you guys, let me just be real real with you guys, how I landed in Mr. Hunter's class because it wasn't by de default. So when I was in fourth grade, the grade before Mr. Hunter, I was in a classroom next door to Mr. Hunter's, and I was bad guys like bad bad i mean i know i we've we i've had many stories on this podcast about running away from home at 16 um having a feud with my mom that broke us up for about 10 years but in elementary school it really really was at its peak around that time and i was almost held back a couple times and i also really disliked school and rules hated rules which is why when I talk to you about Mr. Hunter, he's the king of rules when it comes to that part of discipline. So I was in this fourth grade class and I heard Mr. Hunter's booming voice and he was very popular at Cherrywood High or Cherrywood School. Everybody knew Mr. Hunter as the loud, boisterous teacher. And I heard Mr. Hunter, you know, yelling some commands next door. So I decided to knock on the wall. And I then proceeded to do this like this this pattern of knocking and just going ape shit on it, you guys, just on this wall. Until finally I heard Mr. Hunter yell something on the other side, like, knock it off. And I was like, dun, 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 dun. And the next thing I knew, you guys, within moments, Mr. Hunter was standing right next to me because he had went out of his classroom, outside the school, into this classroom, and stood right in front of me. Now, I was at a table with four, with four chairs, so I was one of four kids. And he looks at all the kids and he says, which one of you guys knocked on the wall? Right now, I'm giving you a chance to confess. Tell me right now which one of you guys. You're going to be in a better place if you go ahead and confess. And of course, I did not confess. And he said, the person who's going to tell the truth right now is the person that is an honorable person. Tell the truth right now who did it. All three ratted me out and raised their hand and pointed at me. And I was, I was so disgusted and so angry and Mr. Hunter looked at me and he said, you young lady, you do not have any integrity and you will not make it in life until you learn what that is. And I will never forget, I felt so embarrassed because the entire class, including my teacher, was listening and I hated him. I hated him so much. And he high-fived the other, to me at the time, assholes that told on me. <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, you got a lot to learn. There's a chance you got a lot to learn. And he walked out and I was, I was forever touched. You guys, I was angry. I was embarrassed. I was ashamed, but he had my full attention. So later on, I, what I think I did is I actually filled out a, a form that said that I requested to be in Mr. Hunter's class. And I also made some phone calls and Mr. Hunter you have a version of that story, which we'll tell you in a bit, but I ended up in Mr. Hunter's class. And what I will tell you is the most unforgettable school year I have ever had, where I felt a sense of belonging. I felt a sense of responsibility. I felt a sense of, of privilege. I also felt superior, but not in a way that I was superior by myself from other kids. I felt superior because I was a part of something that we built together, that we had a name, we had a name for our team. We were the killer bees in this classroom. We, I had an understanding of what it meant to be an American. I understood that there were consequences to my, 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 my homework and 
I was rewarded if I got rid of my junk food in class. He had a bin to get rid of junk food and you earned points. I was able to learn how to sell um, nutrition bars and learn how to gain points and money if I, if I worked this out for myself. I was able to go to amazing school trips that were not like the aquarium and, and other things that I've heard other kids going through, all because I was in Mr. Hunter's class. So Mr. Hunter, I want to understand, what did you see in that little girl then? And do you remember this story? Okay, first of all, Jenny, you have to understand that that little interaction with us probably happened to me a thousand times in my 36 years of teaching. But I specifically, and I'm not just saying this, I specifically remember that moment. By the way, you were in Mr. Ramel's class. I know right where the table you were sitting at. And uh, so when you're a teacher, you know, you, you have to, um, those are teachable moments. And so you have to, but yet you don't want to spend the whole day on it. So you gotta, you're going to have a short period of time. You're going to teach a lesson. You're going to move on. And I'm going to throw it right back on you because I'm going to tell you every situation comes with two handles. You could have grabbed another handle. Here's the handle you could have grabbed. And I saw other students do this. You could have gone home and told your mom, mother, I wasn't doing anything. And this man came in and told me I didn't have any integrity. He said, and he, it made me cry. And I probably would have had a parent maybe call Mr. Ramel and who is this other teacher that's coming in your classroom? Or maybe worse yet, call the principal. But instead, you grab the right handle because, see, I pushed your button because I already knew about you, Jeannie. You did have your reputation. And I knew about you because I ran the intramural program. And I saw this little bug who was, you know, not a great basketball player, but a great defender. <laughs> if you had the ball, she was in your face. And maybe not a great soccer player, but wherever that ball was, you, weren't, you were probably never more than 10 feet from it. And so I just kind of knew you could handle it. You had your own little group. And I just... Jeannie, what you were doing, what you were doing then is no different than what you're doing now. That same spark was in you. You just wanted to live, you wanted to be big. And you were just picking an unskillful way to do it. But certain people, I just think they're born with a certain cargo. They're extroverts. They want to stand out no matter what they do. And you were one of those one of those students at Cherrywood that I taught. So I kind of just knew you could handle it. So I just kind of challenged you right there, got in your face and challenged you. And I was done with it right then. It had been dealt with as far as I was concerned. And I can add more about that parent request, too, if you want to know. <laughs> you want to hear about that now? Yes, I actually do. Well, actually, I would have had nothing to do if you'd be put in my, having you been put in my class. So the fourth grade teachers will, make, will put the uh, students in the fifth grade classroom. And so they'll choose a, a student who they think, you know, what, who would be a teacher that would be good for them? And so probably the credit for you going in my classroom, even if you did make a request, was Mr. Ramel and the other fourth grade teachers because they thought I'd be a good teacher for you. So she's, there were other people behind the scenes. And then, by the way, Ms. Cagle, who was the, the principal, she would have had the final say. So. And so what happened to me a lot was uh, I got a lot of students like you. So you got the misfits. Uh, yeah, and because my specialty was classroom management. Not because I was such a great teacher in terms of curriculum, but I was good at dealing with discipline problems in students and basically motivating those students to to be their best, to be all they could be. So Mr. Hunter, when you handled me and you handled every other child that was disruptive or um, unruly or a bully or all these, these, these categories that we kids get put into, are you happy about that? Like, do you like that? Well, uh, let's, let's put it this way. Um, I liked it enough where uh, about, I, actually when your brother was in my class four years later, we had a special day class at Cherrywood. Now the special day class, I want you to understand that. Uh, for lack of better words, these aren't the proper educational terms. That was the bottom of the barrel right there. These were the 12 worst behavior problems in the district. And they put those 12 kids in my class um, because, well, they didn't put them in my class. We had, they had a special day class teacher and a, uh, uh, an A just for those 12. And so what I did, I volunteered to integrate those kids into my classroom. So I got four of the discipline problems and they put it in my classroom. And then also the benefit for me was I got the, the, the benefit of working with a special day class teacher, Miss Wallingford and her aide, Diana Silveria. So it made a kind of a great combo team. Right. So in this classroom of yours that you speak of, whether you had special day, which was an amazing fusion of your, your, your kids for fifth grade, but then this, this influx of these kids that were kind of rejected from other classrooms right. or turned down or um, categorized as 
Unruly, right, right. So you had this, this class. So tell me about your classroom structure. And I want to quip in with some of my memories too. Um, I, for one thing, remember the class pledge. I remember every day for school, I left my house when I wanted to. I lived about maybe, you know, a 20 minute walk, maybe, uh, yeah, about a 20 minute walk from the school. And I dawdled. I took my time. I hated coming to class. I was late for most, I was late for all of first grade with Miss Torres, all of second grade with Miss Summerson, everything, right? When it came to your class, I was freaking on time. I mean, I pushed my mom to get in the car and drive me so I wouldn't have to walk and be late. And it was all because of what I remember was the, the salutation that took place in the, in the beginning of the room. What I remember is everybody rushing to get into class and there would be booming loud music. And I forget the song. Can you tell me again the song that was playing? Uh, hey, teacher, leave them kids alone. Another, right, right. Another Brick in the Wall by Pink Floyd. By Pink Floyd. And I would, we would all rush in. And as soon as you got in, whatever it was, you, you were not shuffling. You're not digging through your bag. You're not hanging your jacket up. At the minute that that time started, I think it was like eight o'clock at the minute on the dot that class started, the music would abruptly shut off. You would be standing at attention by your class, you're by your desk. All of us had to stand by our chairs in the same way. And you would just survey us, take a look at every single one of us and make sure that we were all present. And then we began to do the class pledge. So Mr. Hunter, so remind me and tell me why, why did this whole thing happen in the beginning? And what was, what was the meaning behind this class pledge? So to get your listeners to really understand what's going on there. Um, first of all, my classroom would open about 7.30 in the classroom. So kids would start filtering in playing chess. A lot of kids would get there early to start playing chess, finish up work, as long as they're behaving. But exactly when the bell rang, which I believe was 8.15 when you were there, um, when I was in a portable and we had a surround sound. My senior, tab senior table captain would hit the music, Pink Floyd. And this music would start playing really loud. Now, by this time, students are coming in. And uh, by the way, you don't want to be late. I'll talk about that later, the consequences. Students will start filtering in. The moment that music stops, you can't be shuffling through your desk. You've got to be SSR, silent, sustained reading. You already have to have your library book. They're all reading. And then it's, they're dead quiet in the room. Everybody's reading. And my senior table captain's collecting late work and bringing people in. I might be finishing a game of chess. And then I'm going to walk up to the front of the room and I'm going to announce, okay, it's time to start the, and you guys are going to answer back, the festivities. And then I would say, keeping in mind the most important thing we can remember today is, and the students are going to say, make Mr. Hunter a happy teacher. And then I'm going to say, because when Mr. Hunter's a happy teacher, the kids will yell back, he'll be less abusive to us. Then my senior table captain's going to yell, ready, begin. Now at this point, it's going to start getting crazy. Kids are going to be standing on their desk. And here's what they're going to say. This day, has been given to me fresh and clear. I can either use it or throw it away. I promise myself I shall use this day to its fullest, knowing it can never come back again. I am the only person who has the power to decide who I will be. I make myself who I am. And now we're rolling. Kids are screaming right now. And it's almost like the morning sales talk. Now, if you're late, you've all, if, you, if you came in late to any of that, you've already gone to bench for, for morning recess, you see. So it's just what you're doing, you're just setting the expectations high. For someone like you, Jeannie, with your abilities, who wanted to stand out, who wanted to live big, you just fit into that. It was just perfect for you because you were competitive. You wanted to be, you just saw a way to stand out in that classroom, which leads up. If you remember, we didn't start out on a great note that first couple of weeks, that first week. Remember we had a point system in the mile run. Remember how you did in that? Oh my God, we have to talk about this. Yes. So guys, Mr. Hunter would make he, fitness, physical fitness was very important. Not only was there discipline and timeliness and order, being orderly, but physical fitness was major. And so Mr. Hunter had a, a I wouldn't say it's a contest, but it was a ranking system of the top 10 that mm -hmm. succeeded in the top 10 outcomes of the mile run push-ups and sit-ups is what I remember and pull-ups yep. pull and the mile run was the one that I hated the most oh my god it was the worst you had to run four times around the entire school which by the way to a girl that's like four seven feels so long and not only that but I mean when you really think about it your parents don't get you to work out 
They, they really don't. I mean, your parents want you to be in school so that they can go to work and take care of what they need to. And then when they got home, when they get home, they've already got to worry about you doing your homework and then fixing dinner. And then you got to get your butt to bed. So I never ran a fucking mile in my life. And I was disgusted. I thought that it was too grown up. I actually thought it was abuse. I was like, this is, this is crazy. This is impossible. But then very quickly in Mr. Hunter's class, you saw the kids that loved it and went, went with like this fervor for it and finished at like six minutes, seven minutes, eight minutes, nine minutes, even guys, I was clocking in at like 15 because I was walking half the way because I thought in my mind, if you don't try so hard, you're not going to fail yourself. And so you look kind of like the cooler kid, not caring as much. That's what I thought. And Mr. Hunter, you had a talk with me. Well, so what, what, what happens? Uh, you're, you're, uh, you're, devotees should know this genie was is that we have this point system you're going to get points according to how you finish the top, top in the mile run you're going to get um in the pull-ups and sit-ups and how many you can do in a minute in sit-ups and um you came in that first two weeks and i think out of 33 in the classroom you were like 27th in points or something you were you weren't doing your best school work you were dogging it in the mile you weren't cutting out so i pulled you aside and i took you out on a monday and um i said genie you're, you're capable of much more than this. Look at what's happening to you. You're letting so-and-so beat your butt in a mile run. You could do better than this, you know? And I just, actually, I just challenged you. I just said, just do this one thing, Jenny. Just one week, give me your best. Just, just one week. Just show people at least who you, who you are, what you could really be. And it made a world of difference. You just, you went from like being like 27th in points to like, you know, third in points and for the rest of the year, because you just all of a sudden, you know, thought here, I can get this recognition by, by just cooperating and going along more with the program, which is what you did. And you completely signed aboard that entire year. And it just kind of, yeah. here's how much it changed you, Jeannie. By the time you were in sixth grade, you showed up in Mrs. Emerson's class because your brother Dennis was in there and you showed up after school and said, if he's not doing his schoolwork, I want to know. You basically became me with your little brother. You, she laughs about that now. She, when she heard that we were going to talk, she just, she spoke so glowingly of you because she saw this, this little girl who in sixth Mr. grade. Emerson remembered yeah. me? Oh, yes. Jeannie, everyone remembers you at Cherrywood. <laughs> You're not easily forgotten. But, but she just saw this little sixth grade girl that came in and just said, if he doesn't know, I'll be here after school. I'll pick up his work. And if he doesn't want to know it, I want to know about it. So you just kind of, you just almost like went from like Darth Vader to Luke Skywalker or something. You know, you, you just channeled all that energy of yours into something much more positive, you know? So when you're a teacher, you say that's what you teach for because you want to spark that light within somebody. Yes. Yes, and I also have learned that being a teacher, you know, when you're a kid, you hate the fact that your teacher is disciplining you or making you embarrassed or challenging you in ways that everybody else has to watch and see. But I realize now that you really prepared me for the real world. I, I today work in Hollywood where it's very competitive oh, yeah. and you're constantly getting compared next to other people. And Mr. Hunter, I take that with stride nowadays because I will never forget your classroom made me gain my first arch nemesis. And that was, I remember. Of course it would be. Sally Vaughn, because of this new competitive nature that I had to do my very best. I fought myself with each mile run. I fought myself with each pull-up, with each sit-up, and I started surpassing my own numbers, right. running the mile in nine minutes to eight minutes to seven minutes. One time, I think like six minutes, 58 yep. seconds. Mm -hmm. But the only reason yes. why my competition took to another level is because of Sally Vaughn, the other student, the other yeah. girl in the class. By the way, I have Sally, for some reason, she probably didn't know it, but about a year ago, Sally brought over her t-shirt, her classroom t-shirt. And I have, for the first time, viewed on your Sally, the back of Sally Bond's t-shirt. I these! And notice it's not just a class, it's an adventure. Every yeah. one of the, us had these, these shirts. Yeah, we would wear them every Friday. You had to come with it freshly ironed and they would and we would oh, get pins and oh, there they are. See, sally she she took off her pins but there it is mr hunter's all americans you know oh my god maybe a sense of adventure and then here'd be like some of the patches this was one of the physical fitness I, you had this one too sally had that with yep. w-i-t whatever it takes yeah and on the other side you had this too but sally was a presidential award winner you see and it has below it ubu 
Oh so my God. It was just all about, but not only was it building up physical fitness, but it was building up, you know, just the grit and resilience to come yes. about because the world you live in, you know, after you said, we're going to have this podcast, I went on and followed it. And I'm telling you, you got to be anti-fragile. You got to be anti-fragile to live in your world. Yeah. And so, you know, what you're trying to do, uh, you're, you're trying to build up some resilience in these students. Like when you have your chess team later, you've got to rebound from things. You know, Hemingway wrote one thing, uh, what book it was, I forgot, but he says, life will break us. So, you know, you, it was this whole same thing of just developing that student who has that esteem in himself and it's not going to be deterred, you know, and not going to turn away at the first sign of a challenge. By the way, you want to see a picture of Sally Bond and you? Because I have our. Oh, I do. Wait, I mean. Here she is, right here. Fashion icon, Sally Bond, right there. Can you see that? Do you need me to move the picture? No, I see her right behind me. So, guys, right I'm right there on the front row. Notice Jeannie from the left. Now, look at Jeannie. She's got her socks turned into her pants, her pants tucked into her socks. There's a fashion statement right there. That was my slouch socks with my. Um, I, I was I was um, taking after like. Um, a very an 80s type of fitness look go. with a mixture of Yes, yes, a little <laughs> bit of hair faucet with my hair, my bangs, and yeah, then I had a shirt from Contempo Casuals. And notice the earrings you have on. And notice and I had basically earrings, which I thought were very grown up. With a frown right behind you is Sally Bond. Sally Bond. And Sally, that is that expression on her is, is very telling because she oh, was yeah. very, very competitive. Very and she, I have to give it to her. Sally, when you watch this, I want you to know. Girl, I bow down to you because you were damn good at everything you did. Like she was naturally athletic. Do you remember her calves? They were she's still that way. She's all buffed out still. She's still that way. But you know something? In a way, uh, Sally becomes like your greatest teacher. It's those people that push our buttons. I know. In fact, after you two guys, I, I used to have it. I just made it. You wanted to be top 10. You didn't want to be number one because it got too intense. Because it was Jeannie Mai. Indomitable force meets indomitable force. You know, and... <laughs> right. and uh, so, but you guys pushed each other all year long. You yeah, know? we did. We did. Oh. And, and I'm thankful for her because it prepared me for all the types of Sally Bonds out there that not make me sit there and waste my time comparing myself to them, but really showing myself that I can always be better. I can always be better than my last try. Always. Well, you know, the thing, the thing I just add to this is, you know, people are hearing all this and it just so, well, what's this big deal about classroom points? So, I mean, they should know that classroom points are everything because we had activity hour every Friday we had a pinball machine. We had video games in class. We had pizza parties. If you're homework, you got pizza on Fridays if your worker's in. We had weekly field trips. We had a half hour before lunch that was free time. You could have all that or there was consequences. You were motivated by the positive. Some of the students, like I said, that wouldn't have grabbed the right handle, you know, would have been, they needed, the Buddha said 2,500 years ago, we're either seeking pleasure or we're avoiding pain. You were the person that was seeking, you know, points and rewards. There were other kids that you had to motivate them all year long with just consequences. And it was fear of, you know, missing yeah. something out, you know. Yeah. So you're just using one hand and at the same time, you're building up this with this marching in class. You're building up this a spirit decor in classroom and trying to bring them up with the whole level of the class. You know, yes. you're not just another student. You're a Mr. Hunter's all of Americans, a tradition. Maybe your aunt or your uncle, your parents have been there. Students are coming back and visiting. And I'm having them come up front and telling them about their fifth grade year and how high school is going to be, you know, and they're telling you, giving their little picture. So it was just kind of more like a tradition, you know, what you're trying to do. Mr. Hunter, I, I, I'm going to take a break, but when I come back, I want to ask you about your most memorable stories, good or bad. Give me like a, a, you know, if you can, a great one and then a very challenging one that maybe still stirs you to this day. So we'll take I'll a break. And when we come back, I'd love to hear these stories. All right, we are back with my fifth grade elementary teacher, icon and legend in my life, as well as many others in the San Jose uh, School District, Mr. Jim Hunter. Mr. Hunter, you, first off, I can't believe that I have you here on my podcast because you've been highlighted so much in your 36 years of your career, mentioned in, in all of our newspapers. Everybody knows your name when it comes to our town. And you are sitting here telling us about why you dedicated and put such a program into 36 years of your life that your classroom was not just a classroom, it was an adventure. So I wanna know, can you tell me some standout stories with certain individuals in your 36 years of teaching? Oh, geez, I, I got a million of them. Um, 
first of all, you have to understand, when I started teaching at Cherrywood School in 1972, we were about 80% white, 20% other. By the time I left, we were about 5% white, 95% other. Um, which is one neat thing right away because it just proved anybody that thinks that people of different cultures, of different religions, of different ethnic groups can't get along. Mr. Hunter, Cherrywood School proved him wrong. Because I can tell you in our classroom, we were probably uh, 50% Asian, 20% Hispanic, uh, 10% South, you know, Latino. It, 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 was, uh, it was a very mixed batch. Kids from all over the world, different religions, different ethnic groups. I met and, my first Samoan person in our class. Yeah. And in our classroom, we didn't even see it. I didn't see it because really we were all the same, you know. And, and, and if you got any idea that like I had an African dance drum company and you think, well, maybe the African kids can be better drummers or dancers. No, not necessarily. You know, you might the clave part, which is a dun, 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 which is if you're playing Calypso, it has to be right on. The clave rules the whole beat right there. That might be a little Vietnamese girl who can just catch it right on. And I had those. But if I had to think of stories or something, you know, um, I had this little Vietnamese girl that came to my class and she spoke French and Vietnamese, but she didn't speak English. So I, I almost started, I get a move. So you're sitting there, this little girl comes in, this beautiful little bug, and you know what her name is? It's Zwan, Z-W, it's pronounced like Swan only, Zwan. Yeah. And you know what the sad part about it? She wants to change her name to Sharon because she wants to be, she wants to assimilate into her new to, Yeah, fit in. And there's this little Zwan, this beautiful little girl who speaks fluent French and Vietnamese. And we're doing a parent conference. And her mom speaks, doesn't speak English. She speaks Vietnamese and French. And so I'm telling her mother how she is doing in class. And she's speaking to her mother in French and Vietnamese. And that's your parent conference right there. I have a little boy whose name I've forgotten in this case, who had never been in cold weather. And so he gets off the plane because, you know, a lot of times the dads would come over here first. And if you look, if you heard these stories of the, because you're there, there's immigration. Cherrywood has this huge Vietnamese immigration group coming in and you're watching it build every year. Yeah. And you know, this little boy, he left Vietnam and he's on a boat and he goes to a, a, a camp in the Philippines, a refugee camp. And he lands in San Francisco. He's never felt cold weather. And his dad gives him an orange parka. And he was so damn proud of that orange carpet or orange parka. He wore it right up till June 15th. He'd wear that car, that orange parka every day. It's hotter than hell. <laughs> He'd be wearing that orange. You know, and then it goes on. Twan, a little guy I have, and, and, and we write this essay. Um, I forgot what the, what the, you know, the writing prompt was, but he talks about he wanted to go back to Vietnam and bumped and bits all the Viet Cong because his dad, his brother was in the Air Force and his plane was shot down and they hung him from a tree. And then you have Chong Nguyen, who I, with a writing prompt, I ask them, I say, um, what's, what's, how, how would school be better? So most of the kids would say, well, school would be better if we didn't have to do any schoolwork or if we could spank the teacher with paddles. We got hot fudge Sundays. Chong answers, school would be better if we could go to school seven days a week. And the work was much, much harder. And that's the attitude he had. Of course, Chong's yeah. turned out going to medical school and then a huge wow. success, you know. So you have all those great stories, you know, but, but I can tell you honestly, none of these, there was never, I never saw really any, I saw kids that, that had troubles, but none of them, I, I, and this sounds, I just mean, that there was never, I never met any that was, you know, inherently purposefully, you know, mean or anything I would label like a psychopath or sociopath. These were kids and they're just struggling and you're just trying to find a way to make them successful and, and, and have these interactions. It sounds like every one of them had a very special place in your heart, even if they were difficult. It, it, it sounds like you just naturally, ha and I don't know if it's natural, and I'm going to ask you that, but but I, it sounds like you just look forward to discovering what it is that makes these kids tick. You just need that one little thing that finds out what motivates them, and then you go plunging into that. Well, see, I, I'm different, many different people there. Like when you come in in the morning, I'm part drill sergeant. We're doing marching. Yeah, right. I'm part, I'm part motivational uh, yes. speaker. I'm part guru. And, uh, you know, I'm part class clown, too. I mean, we did a lot of crazy yes. things, you know. Oh, don't make me. The only reason why, guys, I know so many Michael Bolton songs today is because Mr. Oh, Hunter made right, me right, sing every you. word. Right. Every word. Everything How am I supposed to live with that? I was like, oh, my God. I remember today 
randomly, I chose that as a karaoke song maybe like 10 years ago. I was like, I'm going to do Michael Bolton. And everybody <laughs> looked at me like, what the hell is wrong with you? Who sings Michael Bolton? And I was like, Mr. Hunter, you ruined me. <laughs> My right. point is, you are a big goofball. You We'd even get points if we were like, to give you an arm massage or we complimented your hair or it was just, it was so funny. Everything just always had like a fun memory to it because you could find your way in the class, whether you were great at chess, which was amazing because I learned to play chess in your class. And I know you even took your classes into competitions, but you could learn how to play chess. You could be a great dancer. You could be a great physical fit person. You could be great at keeping the class in order by being a team captain. Um, there were so many ways that you could stand out in the classroom so that not just one person was the popular kid. Just find ways for kids to be successful. So we have a, we have a chess team. We had uh, an African dance drum company. We had an intramural program. We had Cherrywood Olympics. Even singing contest, everything was a contest. And so, you know, the boys and girls would sing some, uh, I'm trying to think what was the song. It was, uh, it was a slow, pretty song, but I, it'll come to me. But at any rate, and then I would rate it. And then uh, all three <laughs> girls would sing versus the best three girls. The boys would have an all-star team versus the girls. And then the girls could pick the worst three boys. And the boys could <laughs> sing the, pick the worst three girls. Everything was a competition. Everything was, you know, played as if our lives depended upon it, you know, at the time. And uh, just make it, you know what I did most about for Jeannie to be the truth? Because I had fun doing it. I mean, to be honest with you, they paid me too much for that job. I, I would have done it for a lot less. I mean, I just got to come there every day. I mean, you can just imagine what my day was like. You know, come to this school out in the east side. You could go to those kids and you could have, who was president then? I don't even know, like Jimmy Carter. You could have come and you said, who's Jimmy Carter? Or who's the president? They go, I don't know. You go, who's Mr. Hunter? <laughs> Chess club, we, the number one chess rule, we would we'd have a chess club, about 100 kids met. And so I give this opening you know, lesson. And then I go, what's the number one rule we have to remember? And the kids would yell back, keep an extra queen in your underwear. And then I'd turn around, I'd reach down and pull out a queen like, just, you always have an extra queen in your underwear. You never know when you could use you it. Never you Mr. never know. Mr. Hunter, I need you to put queen. that on a t-shirt. That's everything, everything. <laughs> Well, on a, on a chess t-shirt, it's one year of that thing I said about you. It said grit on there, just grit. You just got to get back up because, you know, like I said, life's tough. Yeah, so you, absolutely. You, here was the key thing, Jenny, with all these points and these activity hours. And, and keep in mind, if you weren't getting it done, you're missing field trips. You're missing fun things. Probably early on, if I had anything I regret, if I could go back and do it over again, was I, I let kids... I let kids fail too much. I couldn't do that. You know, as I, as I taught longer and longer, you might let a, a child miss activity hour once, but you don't let them miss two or three activity hours in a row. So what I did, especially in my, even after about five years, I was doing this with your class, but I would have a, uh, you would start lessening their workload. Basically, you would take a technique. When my brother and I were single, we used to meet girls. He said, if they don't meet your expectations, lower your expectations. <laughs> I'm being a little bit funny right now. Don't, don't let Jen hurt. Don't let Jen. I don't know if you might want to cut that out. But anyway, that was, maybe it was like a Buddha-like state. I'm going to leave it because it's hilarious. Yeah. But, you know, and so you just had to, you had to just adjust your expectations for those kids. Because yeah, they're not often more capable of being a Jeannie Meyer or a Sally Bond. You know what I mean? Yeah, they, you're they're right. All they're not. It's not there for them. You're right. And so you had to find a way for them to be, feel good about themselves too. I think, who was it? Buckminster Fuller. He said, all kids are born geniuses. School degeniusism. All kids are born geniuses. School disgeniusism. So you have to find that way. That's really what you're doing. It's more about an attitude about life. It's not like, well, if you didn't know your, you know, this algebra or something, you're going to fail in life. It's really that attitude you come out of school with. And yeah, so that's what it's, it's, it's mind, your mind, your student, it's your body, your physical, but it's spirit and it's that soul who we really are. And that's what you're trying to find. How, where did this all come from? Like, who inspired you when you were young? Okay. See, first of all, my dad worked for the Boy Scouts of America. And oh. um, he, he worked for a guy in, uh, Sacra in Sacramento when he was there, a guy named Alden Barber. And Alden Barber left and went to Chicago. But he, I was going to go back to Alden. Him and his wife always treated me, even though I didn't deserve to be that, but they treated me in a really high fashion, like I was more mature than, than, than I really was. And then when I was 15, Alden... Before that, Alden moved back to Chicago, and my dad came out to the Bay Area. It was, it was a scout executive up in Palo Alto. And my brother was an Eagle Scout, and, and I was just kind of cruising. And he came out, and he was, I'll, I'll never forget this. I was really inefficient at the time. And he said, Jimmy, if you'll get your Eagle Award, 
I'll bring you back to Chicago any way you want to come, and I'll give you any job on my staff at the Owaspi Scout Reservation, which has this great fishing, and that motivated me. So within a year, I got my, the, the merit badges I needed, and Alden lived up to his end of the deal and more. He, I got on a train, and I went back to Chicago. I'm 16 years of age, and I'm on a train going back to Chicago. And I got my first romantic kiss from a girl on a, going across this Salt Lake at night and a Vista Dome and stuff, you know. Right, right. And I get off this train in Chicago and he picks me up with a cab, a cab driver there and takes me to the executive club. And it's just a club with, you know, there's like all these important people and eating table, you know, linen, yeah, yeah. cloths. And he's, and he's introducing me to the Jimmy Hunter as if they don't know me, they should know me. And he puts me at this staff and I'm working up in the Waspy Scout Reservation. And here I am, this little white boy from Los Altos. And I'm working with troops that came from Chicago and the inner city there. They're all black. Or, you know, and maybe a few Hispanic kids, you know. And by the time I came back from that summer, it was almost like I, I had, uh, you know, it was, like, it was like I dropped acid or something, you know. The kids I was with, the experiences I had, you know. And I think the things that I took out of that was determination. That more than anything else, if somebody wants it bad enough, they're going to make it happen. Because he proved that when I went and got those merit badges. It's determination that makes the difference and stuff. Yes, you know? I agree. You know? Wow. And, you know, and then the second part about it was, is if you treat people as if they could be, you help them become that. You see, that's what he did for me. He treated me like I was some important person. Then you don't want to let people down. You know, you didn't want to, when I make you sing your table cabin and you have to, you don't want to let me down at that no. point, you know? Yes, you, you, you do it. You know? A level of responsibility in me that made me see. Cho I felt chosen. Right. I felt chosen. Yeah, just big, and, and and you're part of this class, and you're winning in this class. You yeah. know, the key thing is, and keep in mind, if, if, even if you weren't one of the top runners, everybody had a personal record. And sometimes the kids were the slowest runners, and you would get a star in your T-shirt. They might set 15 PRs, and so for every five PRs you had, a, some of the kids who were the slowest runners, they had the most to improve or the worst in pull-ups. So they had all these stars in their and you got lifesavers, which got you out of a homework assignment or a free piece of pizza if you moved up in points. And every week we added up points again. So it was just this constant thing of just either rewarding people, having consequences, trying to minimize those, but having motivating. And you know what the truth is? I wouldn't have been a teacher if it wasn't been for the Vietnam War. Because you know how I got through college in four years? I, just, I would have just been surfing because I didn't want to go to Vietnam. And that's what happened. When I graduated in 66, they were... They were, those four years, they were like hundreds of thousands of guys were being drafted every year. And, and, and not to dismiss, I, you know, honor the guys that went there. But I wanted to go to San Jose. I wanted to go to San Jose State. I wanted to become a teacher. I wanted to go surfing. I didn't want to go to Vietnam. So that's what it was fear of that motivated me. Yeah, you I see? understand. So today, Mr. Hunter, I mean, you decided to retire, which... I mean, I, I was shocked, but I knew, of course, you had to come to a, a, get some time for yourself. What do you do nowadays? Like, how do you take all this responsibility of mentoring, leading, guiding, building, equipping these young minds, and now you've got all this time on your hands? What, what do you do nowadays? I have my biggest complaint about retirement. There's not enough time. <laughs> so, you, you, you know what, really, uh, my thing has switched more to an inward journey right now. So like we're talking here, my time or your same as our time, but I've been up since like five this morning. And so the first thing I do every morning when I get up, I meditate for about 30 to 40 minutes, something I never had time. And if I believe me, people, if I can meditate, anybody can meditate because I'm high. Yes, I, I do. And, myself. Yeah. And it just makes you, you know, like I tell everybody, it only changes one thing, everything. It, it changes your whole perspective. And, uh, and especially for someone like me, because my mind, it's not just the, you know, the rapid thoughts of my mind, it's the content that I have to watch out after, you know, it's like, my God, they would lock me up if they knew what I was thinking right now. And then I'm going to, um, you know, after I lost, my brother was killed, both my wife and I lost our brothers in drinking and driving accidents. Oh my God. It affected both of us. And so about 40 years ago, right before you were in my class, actually, um, I became a, I was a fundamentalist Christian for a while. It broke me, you know, after that. So but then I've kind of, I've graduated more towards an Eastern path, you know, although I recognize many different paths, it's all, you know, one ocean, many rivers. And um, so I'm going to read spiritual material that feeds my soul. Yeah. And I take notes on all these books and I have journals that I go through. Wow. And then I'm going to do 30 to 40 minutes of real quiet yoga with soothing music, which is like moving meditation. And then my wife and I are going to do a walk through Los Gatos here. Now it's about nine or nine 30. 
then I'm going to go to the club where I'm going to ride my mountain bike. And I have my devotees, as I call them down. You the still club. ride that mountain bike? Well, it's an electric mountain bike now. I will get it. <laughs> You get a little bit like that, yeah. And then you know, by the time you then go out to lunch, and then I come home and take my nap on my massage bed. It's three or four o'clock, and Jennifer goes, "Well, you didn't get anything done today. When would I have had the time? I didn't have time to get anything done. My days are full." Wow. And then Ben and I travel about every three months, so I live a really great life. And more than anything, Jeannie, I'm grateful. I, I'm not so proud as I am grateful because I had a lot of advantages. You know, I was born a white male in America, had great parenting. When and where I was, I had great parenting. I had a job that even though I didn't think about it, gave me a great retirement, you know, um, and was really meaningful work and things like this, like blow my mind. I mean, wow. for, 31 years later for you and I to be talking like this. So I'm just grateful. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's you been do a the math. Was it 31 years? Yeah. It, you told me, I think, uh, what was it? You, you, you're real open on the internet. I think you've let it known that you're past the 4 yeah, aren't you? 41. I'm very proud. That's the one thing. That's my mantra to life. My mantra is, own the shit you hide before the yep. shit you hide owns oh, you. Oh, yeah. Watch the stuff you hide. You know what I do at my age? I lie about my age. I tell people I'm older than I'm at. So I'm 72 right now, and people will see me in my mouth like they go, yeah, you look, you're going pretty. How old are you? And I go, I'm 78. And they go, you're not that bad for a 78. You don't look that bad. So I, I do the reverse on it. You know? <laughs> it's not so smart. Yeah. Always constantly learning from you, Mr. Hunter. If you all of my fans, I mean, I, 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 I'm excited for them to learn your story, learn such a a heroic side of being a teacher and somebody who, again, just I, I, has nothing to complain about. And I'm not saying this is the case for all teachers, but to hear how fate would work that you, who I know as a re very rebellious individual, very spiritual, mm -hmm. I was too. find your way into being an elementary school teacher and not regret one year or one day of your life, that you are a gift to us, seriously. And, mm -hmm. and to hear you not only teaching then, but you're continuously teaching now, even through this podcast, Mr. Hanna. I'm so happy to have had you on. Well, thanks for having me on. It's been fun, you know, and uh, I always say we're not dead as long as somebody's talking about us. <laughs> so, yeah. you know what I mean? This that is what you really have a chance. You really have effect, you know, a chance to affect eternity as teaching. And, and so uh, just, just talking with you today and these acknowledgments you've given me just makes it all worthwhile. So I, I thank you for that and love you for that. Absolutely. And Mr. Hunter, I am intensely thankful to you because I do believe that individuals like you turned my life around. There was a, I, I had a very heavy childhood. Um, and I remember many dark days where I didn't want to live and I didn't want to love and I didn't believe that the great things in life or the things I saw on TV were for me. So my entire career is built on the idea of celebrating somebody else and, and acknowledging people and their purpose and making sure that I live that fully every day in order to show people what they can and 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 always become because I'm that girl from San Jose. Oh yeah. Jeannie, yeah. If, people, if people knew you didn't have any inside line, it's not like you came from a Hollywood family. If people it's not knew. like I came from a famous family. It's not like, oh, I, no, no, no. it's not like I was even able to sleep with somebody to get to where I am. I really, I really <laughs> went here all on my own. And so if I do it, anybody else can do it. And whatever that means for them. I mean that not just being a, a television personality, but I mean, whatever it is that you want to achieve, you absolutely can make it. And that is why I had to have you on Mr. Hunter, because you saw that in every single one of your students. And I promise that every single one of those students can look back and remember a time where you touched them and moved them. And they had to then take the right handle. There's this, um, I'll send it to you, Jenny, when we're done, I'll email it to you. It's okay. from Emerson. It's a quote. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to botch it here, but it says basically we mark with light in our soul those souls that we meet that make our souls wiser, you know, that give us leave to be all we can be. Like Alden Barber and my parents were people like that for me. And the fact that I could be something that contributed to your life, it makes it, you know, like I said, it makes it all worthwhile. So thank you very much again. Thank you. I love you, Mr. Hunter. Please take care of yourself. And everybody who's listening to this podcast, please do rate and review these podcasts. I read every single one of your guys' reviews, and that's actually what gives me the ideas to come up with, with who my next guest should be. And all of my guests are somebody that I hope touches your lives and, and helps you to take a different introspective look on yourself. And Mr. Hunter, I don't know, I know your, web, your personal website that Jen created, but is that something you want to share? Yeah, sure. Um, if they want to go, if they like any of this stuff. Now, keep in mind, you can look on these like this. I'm giving out free $20 bills. But on the other hand, some of them could be counterfeit. <laughs> I don't, and, and, and the difference is, I don't know which ones, are, which ones are counterfeit, which ones are real. But I'm not afraid to share myself. So I, I put a, 
my, my youngest daughter gave me this thing called StoryWorth. And I'm not trying to sell a book or sell StoryWorth or anything. But it was a, a program that they send you a different question or you can make up a question. So I got the project and operating under the thing that uh, in, anything worth doing is worth overdoing. I worked a year and a half on it. And so I told about all these stories of my life. And then, of course, I have certain chapters where I pontificated about all kinds of things and stuff, you know, the, my philosophies and my spiritual beliefs. And so if they go to Leaders World, you can download it for free. It's right on there. You just click and download it. But my favorite quote out of there, and, and this is for you too, Jeannie, um, is from the Gospel of Thomas. And it says, if you share what's inside of you, it will save you. If you do not share what's inside of you, it will destroy you. Mm. So, and I, I think that's it. And I think all of us come with different messages. You and me, we're extroverts. We want to be out in front. But, you know, like my youngest daughter, there's the quiet, shy ones too, you know, and, and they have their, everyone has their place. Yeah. And, you know, I have two daughters that are 180 and one's out front, one's right. quiet and shy, you know, those are the ones who sit in the background, you know, who are actually in some ways the most spiritually pure ones, you know. Yes. You, you know, know what's crazy, Mr. Honor? Actually, I'm really good at being an extrovert when I'm paid to be. I'm yeah. actually an introvert. I'm actually 100% an introvert. I get so much anxiety when I get out on stage. I... A, cra- a group, big group of people is looks like a big no to me. I've I can't tell you how many red carpets parties that I've did one round just to do the look, and then I go racing back to my car to leave. I love being by myself. I love just listening to classical music, reading a great book, or just being with one or two people that I love. But I am naturally an introvert, a hundred percent. One of my favorite things is it says it goes. You're not free to be yourself. You're forced to be yourself. Mm. And just coming up with that truth about you. And I like people, and sharing like you are right now, just unloading your cargo right there. Here's the yeah. truth about me. Yeah. And you, you need it. You need that. That's that yin and yang. And you're out there in front and, and beautiful and stylish and everything. But you also need both sides. That's, that's the yin and yang, right? Yin and yang, which you and talk you about. Two opposite sides of the you know, river, you know, two banks, the river runs down the middle. And, you're and right. they're not contradictory, they're complementary, actually. You're the right. One allows you to do the other. Oh, thank you, Mr. Hunter. Thank you for your time. Everybody, please do. um, I'm going to put Mr. Hunter's link right here. So click in the link description. Do download his book. Send me some love so I can send it to Mr. Hunter. If you want to DM me, you know my Instagram is the Jeannie Mai. If you want to review this and share your love there, Mr. Hunter and I will find it. We love you. And Mr. Hunter, please do take care of yourself. Okay, nice seeing you again. Fun. See ya. Bye. Bye. Love you. Listen, honey, listen, honey. Listen, honey, listen, honey. Listen, honey, listen, honey. Listen, honey, listen, honey.